Hi, and welcome back to the Hypnotex podcast. I'm Rob from Hypnotex, and today I'd like to discuss some common myths and misconceptions about hypnosis. Uh, this is interesting. You can find these lists all over the internet, and, and uh, most of them are actually pretty good because most of them more or less repeat the same thing the other lists have repeated. So I'd like to address a few of these from the hypnotherapist's standpoint. So uh, as always, if there's something that I don't cover or that uh, you agree with or don't disagree with or or do disagree with, strike that, uh, please use the comment form. I am perpetually fascinated with the quality, the very high quality of the feedback that I get from the comment form. So please feel free. Join in. Let me know what you think. Give me your feedback. And if I missed something, I promise I will. Well, it's easy enough. I can sit down and record another one of these, perhaps an entire session just about uh, what you've got to talk about. So in any case, let me know. So first one, and this feeds right into something that I've been working on. I put up on my site not long ago a kind of a fun quiz or assessment, and uh, it's entitled, Can I Be Hypnotized? And it's uh, a half dozen questions that you answer, and then at that point, I do an estimation based upon my experience about how easy it would be to hypnotize you. And it's obviously not as accurate as if I sit down and give you a full assessment or interview you, or uh, there's no firm way, but uh, since the answer is actually... It's been decades since since I tried to hypnotize somebody and they didn't go under. Um, the answer is almost always yes. You can be hypnotized if you're human, if you are of average intelligence or better. In fact, it, well, we'll address this, that the more intelligent you are, the easier it is to hypnotize you. You just have to use the correct techniques. And if, if you have even a shred of imagination, if I can say... Can you imagine a tree and in your head you can form either a picture of a tree, which some people can do, or you can form an idea of a tree, then you've got what it takes to be hypnotized at that point. It's all a question of if you're willing and the skills that your hypnotist has. So the myth that some people can't be hypnotized is there's a grain of truth. Like I think every one of these myths uh, and misconceptions, there's some little grain of truth to them. And, and out there, there are people who can't be hypnotized for one reason or another. And it, it's usually, if, if you bump into them during doing, when you're doing street hypnosis, it's usually drugs or alcohol is the reason why, or they're completely unwilling. You can fight hypnosis. And in fact, uh, perhaps I'll do a podcast on that one of these days is uh, how not to get hypnotized. Um, kind of, there's some fun little tricks that you can do so that if you're ever at a show and you know you're prone to going under, you can actually prevent that from happening. So uh, if you like that idea, throw, uh, throw it into the comments down below and we'll go from there. So in any case, uh, some people can't be hypnotized. It's a myth. Um, for the most part, for all practical purposes, I, I would be willing to bet that 99.9 .9 some percent of the people who hear this podcast 
can be hypnotized. And, and that's, I know, I even, I even wrote a fact in my Frequently Asked Questions page where I talk about uh, people saying, I'm too smart, or I'm too focused, or I'm too mean, or too tall, or I am too blank to be hypnotized. And i be frank, I've heard every one of those over the years in my practice, and, and none of them have proven to be true. So if your average intelligence are better, you have a scrap of imagination, and you're willing, those are the three things I'll throw out there. If you've got those three things, yes, you can be hypnotized. Now, this next one's kind of fun. This is this one will probably promote some argument. I'm certain to get comments on this. Myth. You can be hypnotized to do things against your will. So, there's this I'm going to use this term. I use it a lot. Hypnozombies. There's this vision of the powerful hypnotist saying, look into my eyes. And then somehow he produces a person who turns into a hypno zombie. And then they do all kinds of things. The Manchurian candidate style, uh, do my bidding kind of thing. And, and, and I'm going to throw this out there. Okay. If it were possible for me to create hypno zombies, I would have an army of them right now. I'll just throw that out there just simply because if that were possible, you know, I wouldn't have to work for a living. I said so there would be hypno zombies feeding me grapes right now. And uh, maybe I even have a hypno zombie do this podcast for me. So if it were possible to put you into a mode and have you do things against your will, um, I unscrupulous people would do that all the time. Now, let's say that hypnosis has gotten a bad rap here because it's been part of some experiments. We had some folks not that long ago, uh, long in, well, I guess the 70s, so that's depending upon your perspective, but we, we had some people who experimented with hypnosis and they experimented with hallucinogenic drugs and with torture and a number of different psychological methods to try to make people do things against their will. And part of that was the Project Ultra side of things. And, and there, there are several of these programs that you can find out about. And one of the things that they wanted to do was to be able to use hypnosis for interrogations and to get people to perform actions, very Manchurian candidate style. Um, and it turns out that hypnosis is not that great for you, uh, for that kind of thing. Um, now, when somebody comes in and they're a heavy smoker and they want to use hypnosis to stop smoking, there's an interesting sticky little point there because is the hypnotist by helping them stop smoking a habit which they claim to want to stop but that they continue doing without help, is the hypnotist then getting the person to do something that's against their will? And this is where we run into some definitional problems. There's will and there's against. And then, you know, I, I feel like Bill Clinton asking you to define the word is because it really comes down to semantics in that space. Uh, the smoker wants to keep smoking, or at least by all appearances, does continue smoking and thus must want to. But they claim that they can't stop. And yet the hypnotist is able to 
to help them stop. So I'm just going to throw out there that this question is really tough to define. I can't look at you and uh, during our first session convince you to go do something that you probably wouldn't normally do. It doesn't work that way. I can't do the hypno-zombie thing. I, I, at least I've not determined how, and I don't know anybody who has. But could hypnosis be part of a larger gaslighting type effort where you used it to soften people up, where you convinced them? Um, you ever talked to a used car salesman? Have you ever gotten talked into something that you shouldn't have been talked into? Okay, well, let's just say that maybe you can be convinced to do something that you might have said was against your will. So um, I'm not going to answer specifically yes or no on that one. It's mostly no for the purposes and in the, the intent of the question. But um, yeah, hypnosis can be part of things that help you move in a direction that you might not have been inclined to move. That's stop smoking. That's lose weight. So, uh, yeah, we'll go with that one. Um, so when you're under hypnosis, are you going to tell me what your pin number is? And the myth is often that you're going to spill your personal secrets. You're going to go into a trance. And I hear this a lot. I, I would never be hypnotized because I would tell you all of my secrets. You know what? the vast majority of clients that sit in the comfy chair and I'm pointing at it. I don't know why I'm pointing at it because you can't see it, but I'm pointing at the comfy chair in my office where clients end up at. And the vast majority of people uh, in my sessions don't speak. We don't do any sort of, you've heard from other podcasts, I don't do past lives, so I don't need you to tell me all about how you were the queen of Russia or something. I, uh, uh, we just don't end up speaking. We do all of our interviews in advance, and then after that, I might ask you to nod or raise a finger or give me a one-word answer, but in general, hypnotherapy doesn't involve a lot of talking. It's not talk therapy. We're not asking you to tell us about when, t t t how does that make you feel? Well, I can tell by looking at you how it feels, and if you're drooling, then well, it must feel pretty good, but uh, literally the idea that you're going to spit out personal secrets, um, there's a concept in hypnosis known as congruence, and that is that uh, you're aware, your conscious mind is still there, it's just stepped aside for a little bit, and it is still listening. If the smoke detector goes off in my office, you're going to get up. You're not going to lay there totally bombed out of your mind and, and you know, die, die a horrible death because the building burns down. The smoke detector goes off, and yes, the batteries are good in the smoke detector, but it goes off, you're going to get up out of the chair and get out of there. So um, your conscious mind is still paying attention and you are still listening. And so if I say, hey, client, what's the PIN number for your debit card? You wouldn't normally give that to me. At least most people would not. And in fact, in the context of my comfy chair and a hypnotherapy session where you're expecting to work on anxiety or something, that's something that's going to pop you right out of trance. So one of two things is going to happen. You're going to ignore me or you're going to open your eyes and go, not a chance, Rob. Good going. Yeah. Now give me my money back. I mean, that's going to be the extent of it because it was incongruent. Basically, if I try to get away with something that you don't like, it causes what's called an ab reaction, which is a negative reaction. And it'll pop you directly out of hypnosis. So there is no spilling your personal secrets. Believe me, if I could hypnotize people and get them to tell, oh, once again, go see the, see the topic of hypnozombies again, because, hey, you know, 
That's a sure way to get rich at that point. I'll tell you, it's just not possible. But anyway, next myth. You won't remember what the hypnotist says. So I'm going to tell you, this is like 50-50. And uh, there are some people who just simply don't remember what happened during the uh, hypnotherapy sessions. Um, They just flat out don't. And even if I tell them to remember, they don't. It's just some people are wired that way. Other people remember every word. It's remarkable. They can repeat back. And sometimes they'll say, yeah, I thought it was funny. You kind of slurred your words when you told me that. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) They remember even the inflection that I used for the words. In the middle, most people will remember some stuff, and other stuff might be a little fuzzy as they drifted a little bit. And in some people, for example, if we're doing trauma work, I might be able to instruct them not to remember, and that'll help stuff sort of drift into the background. And other people, I might even say, pay attention, you'll remember this when, uh, when the session is over. And at that point... Uh, people do. So it's, it's best thing you can do is talk with your hypnotherapist, talk to the person who's going to hypnotize you and let them know if you're concerned, I'm concerned that I won't remember. And that bothers me, or I'm concerned that I will remember. And that bothers me, but that's part of rapport. Talk to me, talk to your hypnotherapist, make sure it's abundantly clear that you have a preference in this space or a fear or a concern, bring that up. And if you don't get asked, normally I'll ask, but if you don't get asked, then you should bring it up. And that's, uh, once again, part of that process. That's part of that uh, learning to get to know your hypnotherapist. So next one, I'm going to get into a trance. Rob, you're going to put me into that comfy chair you keep talking about, and I'm going to get stuck. I read somewhere. I saw a movie. My friend told me that you could get stuck. Um, yeah, it's not going to happen. I Okay. Have you raise your hand if you've seen the movie Office Space? Okay, all right, that's most of us. Uh, in the movie Office Space, he goes to see a hypnotist, and uh, the hypnotist keels over with a heart attack and dies mid-session, and the guy gets stuck in the trance state. Now it turns out that it's actually really good for him. That's the kind of the point of that story arc in the movie is that it chills him out. He's now uh, much more sort of relaxed, and and he's more in the moment. He is more taking the world as it comes, and there's all this sort of more moralizing about why that makes him a better person and the like. But other than the, that being a contrived bit for that story arc to, so that, to move that character forward in his development, you can't get stuck. So one of two things is going to happen. So let's go ahead and play that scene out. We are here and I'm sitting next to you and you are finding yourself relaxing more and more, sinking deeply into my Uh, comfy chair and you're finding the comfy chair pushing back parts of your body are light and parts of them are heavy and parts of uh, you are tingling and parts of you are floating and you're feeling all of these things happening and and then I suddenly go oh my heart and I keel over and hit the ground so depending on who you are and your experience etc about half the people are just going to fall into a deep, profound sleep at that point, and they will discover my cold body on the floor when they wake up from their sleep. 
And uh, it'll all be over at that point for me anyway. In any case, imagine the shock. They'll come out of a sound sleep because they've dozed off. And uh, I finally stopped talking. And so that was an opportunity to fall asleep. And suddenly I was gone. And that was the way it is. So the other half of the people are going to wait a little bit. They're going to wonder, well, he hasn't stopped talking since I came in the room. So I wonder what he's doing. And then there's probably going to be an eye that opens. And then this growing sort of sense of apprehension. This doesn't feel right. And those people, at least, there's an opportunity for them to maybe call an ambulance and save my life. But they're eventually going to spot me laying on the floor and uh, move on from there. But there's really only two options from hypnosis, fall asleep or wake up. And it's that blunt. So you can't get stuck. It's just simply not going to happen. So... Apologies to Office Space. I love that movie. Having been in the tech world, I like that part of it. I understand it. Having been on the hypnosis side of it, I also like it. So uh, a good movie recommended from those points of view. Next one. Intelligent people cannot be hypnotized. Well, we kind of touched on this earlier. Um, It's funny. The smarter you are the better you are at hypnosis for the most part. It's a rough correlation, but it's true. Now, the smarter you are, sometimes, particularly if you head over into the analytical side of things, uh, the smarter you are, uh, the more difficult you are for me to hypnotize you sometimes. So you you end up in the analytical, and I have to use some special Capucinian techniques to get to you. But it's fascinating how I get these people with great big brains that work for the tech companies around here. I'm in the Seattle area, and so I have clients who work for Facebook, for Google, for Amazon, who, uh, who work for Microsoft, who work for... We got, all, we got all the tech giants around here. And so I get some bright people that that come through and a lot of them have anxiety issues and and um, some problems with uh, imposter syndrome and that sort of thing very common things stress uh, these are all things that these guys run into and it's interesting to me because although I do have to use the Capucinian techniques to reach out to the analytical side of the scale and you can read more about that on my site if you're interested but um, it's always fascinating I, I, I really it makes it all worthwhile to watch a high analytical sink into my chair and to watch every sign, the blush on the face and the, the reddening of the lips and the, the dryness in the throat and to watch their eyes moving and uh, that sort of thing. Uh, to be able to watch that and see them dissolve into that trance. And it's fascinating to me because it's always the high analyticals who come out the other side and I wake them up and their reaction is, oh God, I had no idea. I, I just didn't even know. Because oftentimes these super bright people, super analytical, have not been in touch with their subconscious and they've lost track of just how cool it is to play in that space. So fascinating thing. Um, but yeah, sorry, if you're smart, you're going to get hypnotized, all right? It's really, it, it's funny because people tell me, oh, well, I can't be hypnotized. And of course, from what I've told you already, you know that I immediately look at them and I wonder, hmm, are they below, are they below average intelligence or they have no imagination? So, yeah, don't brag about you can't be hypnotized because it's not true, A number one. And from someone who has my education, that makes me look at you and judge you. So there you go. Don't just don't say you can't be hypnotized. Um, So what is hypnosis? Uh, People say it's the same thing as being asleep or unconscious. And it's not true. Okay. It's plainly not true. All right. Let me tell you, when I'm asleep, I sleep like the dead. 
the University of Washington Husky Marching Band. I don't know if you've ever heard these guys, but they are loud. You could march them through my bedroom when I'm, when I'm sound asleep, and I would not wake up. I would not be aware of it. Nothing would happen. I'd just lie there and drool on my pillow. Okay? I admit it. I'm a pillow drooler. Um, it's sound asleep, knocked out, unconscious. In hypnosis, you're aware of everything that goes on around you. In fact, I use that. So as you are slowly dissolving your way into hypnosis for the first time, it's weird because there's this sort of you're observing yourself being asleep, but you know you're not asleep because you're observing yourself. And so I oftentimes will point out something that uh, causes people to focus in. The big one that I I use normally is I have an old-fashioned clock with hands hanging in my office. I know. It's very old-fashioned of me. There's a digital clock, too, all right, so don't, don't give me a bad time. But I use this old-fashioned clock with hands, and you can hear it ticking everywhere in the office. And you don't hear it. Most people don't hear the ticking. It just disappears into the background. It's one of those million pieces of data per second that your mind is just not not paying any attention to. Your subconscious still, hear, still hears it. And so it's fascinating as people disappear into trance to say, isn't this fun? You find yourself relaxing, and, and you think that you should be tuning out. You think that this should feel like sleep. It should feel like unconsciousness. But instead, somehow you're actually more focused than you've ever been before. In fact, right now, if you pay attention, you can hear the ticking of the clock in my office. And then just like that, I'll leave a couple of moments of silence. And it's funny to watch people. Oftentimes, their brows will furrow a little bit, and you can see they're suddenly... and. And what's even in more interesting about this is you're going to notice that you've actually been aware of that clock ticking all along. And then the people, yeah, they have been. I, you're right. I was, I somehow know. I remember having heard that. And there it was. So you're not asleep. You're not unconscious. You're paying attention. As we discussed, the fire alarm goes off. You're going to wake up. Uh, none of these things are true. So not asleep, not unconscious. Hypnosis is its own state. And we actually have the uh, brainwave studies now. Welcome to the 20 to to the 2000s, to the new millennium. Uh, We actually have the brainwave studies to prove that it is not sleep and it is not unconscious. Hypnosis is something different. We're still working on defining what that is, but it is something different. So next one and real quick on this one. Hypnosis is contrary to religious beliefs. Well, maybe. I'm not going to argue with you. Um, personally, I have, uh, I even put a, another fact up on my website uh, about this and addressing some of the most specific things. The, the people, uh, the Christian religions tend to cite Deuteronomy, which actually doesn't say hypnosis. It refers to witchcraft, which hypnosis is not witchcraft um but i'm not going to argue this one with you the single best thing you can do is go talk to your uh spiritual uh, advisor and based upon what you've learned from my site and this podcast etc see whether or not your spiritual advisor has a realistic idea of what hypnosis is some do some don't if they immediately start telling you about how you're going to be uh under doing my bidding and they start talking about things that sound like hypno zombies then maybe your spiritual advisor doesn't understand hypnosis enough to be making a call on it if it does sound like they've uh, got an education in that space and a good appreciation then you guys got to sort that out okay i'm not going to try to tell you one way or another if you feel it's not for you 
That is completely fine. But I'm going to tell you flat out that I am not aware of any specific prohibition uh, in the mainstream religions. There are a few sects that have them for one reason or another, but it's not actually based in anything other than preference. None of the, you know, again, no hypno-zombies. There is no Satan in, in hypnosis. There is no control in hypnosis. You're not opening yourself up as a gateway for something else to enter into you. None of these things are there. And in fact, uh, all of the major world's religions do have references to trances being used in a positive way. So um, you're going to have to decide that one for yourself. I'm I'm not going to try to tell you one way or another. uh, Obviously, I'm a fan of hypnosis. So even if I did, I my opinion should be suspect to you. But um, it's definitely not something that uh, I can decide for you. You kind of got to sort that out. Your spiritual advisor, make sure that they actually understand hypnosis. Go from there. So in any case, this has been a few misconceptions about hypnosis. Hypnosis myths and misconceptions. Uh, If I didn't cover something or you've got a question you'd like to see covered or I did cover something and you just absolutely don't agree with the answer, or maybe you agree with it, Once again, put it in the comments. I am uh, really eager to get feedback for these podcasts, and I enjoy doing them, so I want to make sure I'm covering topics that are interesting to you. So let me know what you think. Put it in the comments, and I will address that one way or the other. So, uh, hypnosis, myths, and misconceptions. This has been the Hypnotex podcast, and I am Rob with Hypnotex. I will see you, well... For the next one.